from dystopian Burlington, Vermont. Welcome to Disaffected, the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And to be more specific, we look at the world through the lens of psychological abuse, because that is the dominant mode of doing relationships and public life in 21st century America. Our show is now coming out on Saturdays at 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time on Rumble first. So before 8 o'clock, hop on over to Rumble, click on the Live tab, and then look for Disaffected. Tonight, we're going to be bringing you the first public interview with the Burlington, Vermont man behind the stickering campaign to protect children from trans medical abuse. Stay with us to hear how the city of Burlington is trying to prosecute him for engaging in free speech by accusing him of property defacement. But let's start off tonight with Psycho Karen Keskesay. Is this a serious question? You're asking me if I truly think that the country is in better place now than it was when Trump was president. Fuck, yes, I do. Of course I fucking do. And of course, Biden has spent much of his time cleaning up the shit that your fat fuck president, Nimrod stupid criminal, did to damage this fucking country for so many fucking years. And we're still cleaning up. Not only are we cleaning up governmentally and policy-wise, but we're cleaning up the shit on the streets because you racist fucks keep fucking everything, shooting everybody, and basically being prejudiced about egg against anybody who doesn't look like your white fucking skin and blue eyes. So do I think this country is in a better place than it was when Trump was president? Fucking A, yes, I do. You cannot change my mind. Don't even try because the facts are there. Do some research, factual research, not opinion now, facts. Drink your juice, Shelby. Notice the eyes. It's always the eyes. They have it. And notice the self-contradiction. Everything is better now that Trump is gone, she says. Everything's better. Do I think the country is better? Yes. Yes, I fucking do, she says. But then everything is also literally shit, she says, because of what Republicans have done. Which is it? Better? Worse? Shit? Clean? This is projection, and and it's almost an attempt at projective identification. Let me remind you what projective identification is. Um, it's an, uh, you probably know the concept, but I'll give you the formal term. Uh, it's useful in analyzing why some people react the way they do, especially very angry people like this. Projective identification is when a person disavows in herself or himself um, negative things, unsavory things, ugly feelings. They disavow, they, those can't be part of who they are. But they, they are there because we all have them. We all have ugly, mean, and low parts of ourselves. But the person engaging in projective identification projects that onto other people. And the result of that is often that the person they're projecting it onto actually does start to get angry, does start to fight back, and may lose his or her temper. Then the original person who does the projecting says, look, see, you're exactly what I thought you were. You're the monster I said you were. See, I was right. That's projective identification. There's a lot of that on the woke left right now. Um. <laughs> and Coulter has lots of things to say about the woke left. We've talked on this show many times before about the problem of what I call sacred castes, 
groups of people, demographic groups who cannot be criticized, cannot be blamed, and cannot ever be held responsible for anything negative that they do. Once you're sacred, you can do no wrong at all. You can murder, you can steal, you can beat people, you can lie, you can defame, and you will still be characterized as an angel. Today, in 2023, and it's been this way for several years now, black people are the supreme caste of can-do-no-wrong in the society. They're, they're neck and neck with trans. There's, there, there's a fight, right? There's a cat fight going on at the top. Um, the feminists are trying to claw their way back to the top of the progressive stack, too. But basically, black people are sitting, um, sitting in the cat seat on that one. Everybody knows it. Everyone knows this. Very few people say it, but everyone knows it. Certainly everyone watching the show knows it, um, including the people who might be listening right now. Maybe, uh, maybe they're new to the show. Maybe this is the first time they've heard someone say it this candidly, but specifically a white man, uh, because, of course, I am not allowed to say these things as a white man. Um, but even the people who are clenching their butts right now, they got that little jerk, right? <gasps> he said that about black people. He said that about black people. I know, I know. I've clenched my butt too. Th that was my reflexive reaction for years when I thought these things, and I thought them because I was observing something real and true, um, but I didn't think I was allowed to think them. I'm, I'm as frustrated as I am with the world right now. I am, I am so grateful to be freer, to feel freer intellectually and morally than I used to feel when I was part of the left. Maybe Ann Coulter's candor can help unclench some additional butts today. Headline, Jews and blacks, their landlord and their friend, she says. Ann doesn't, uh, she doesn't skirt around issues. She goes right for the center. She pokes it right in the soft spot. From her, from her essay, this is from Ann Coulter's substack, and her whole substack is called Unsafe. Quote, I'm hoping liberals' instinct for taking the side of barbarism against civilization has taken a hit after seeing so many stories of the Black Lives Matter movement bellowing their love for Palestinian terrorists paragliding into Israel to butcher, rape, and kidnap thousands of Israeli citizens, uh, civilians, excuse me, including infants and elderly dementia patients. It's hard not to notice that the most unrestrained celebrations of the Hamas killers are coming from BLM members, the, quote, colonized diversity beneficiaries, the, quote, indigenous non-Western immigrants and other affirmative action cases. You unleashed them, liberals, end quote. She's right. She's also right when she says this. After George Floyd died and was deified on May 25th, 2020, the left's coddling of black people and the black adjacent <laughs> went into overdrive. For three years, this Brahmin caste has been able to get away with anything. She's right. Anything. Anything at all. That includes assault, shoplifting, burglary, robbery theft, rape, and attempted murder. This is what happens when white liberals indulge their narcissistic guilt and make a full-fledged cult fetish out of it. Do you think white liberals aren't getting pleasure out of this? 
They are. They are. It feels so, so good to flagellate yourself so that you can get the relief and joy of confessing your alleged sin afterwards. Yeah, yeah, actually, it just occurs to me. Yes, this is BDS. It's a BDSM sexual practice. Yes, I am saying that it works along the exact same psychological lines as a BDM sexual practice. You get beaten, and then you get aftercare, the afterglow. <laughs> it's even better when you can publicly do the work to get praise for being a repentant racist sinner. These progressives don't actually want to solve any problem that shows actual racism. They want to create problems because none of this is motivated by honesty. It's a purely psychological passion play in which they get to be redeemed over and over and over again. No, I don't think they're all explicitly conscious of it. No, I, yeah, and I can well imagine many of them listening to this would find this genuinely foreign and say, you're mind reading me, you, that has nothing to do with what I think. Hmm? I think it does. So just like what, um, what my therapist once said to me, I said to him, when I was describing something like this, when I said, you know, I don't believe that most people that I, that I talk about in this way, I don't think they consciously mean to do this. It's not, it's not a volitional act. They're not saying, I'm going to do this so I get narcissistic supply, right? I think that they actually do believe many, they believe themselves. They believe the story they tell themselves about what motivates them. But I don't believe them. I believe that they believe them, but I don't believe them. Um, and what he had to say about that was, was interesting to me. He said, that is, that's an actual therapeutic stance. That is how a good therapist relates to his or her client in many situations. You know, the point is to get underneath what's really going on, not the stories that we tell ourselves about what motivates our behavior. More from Ann Coulter. Quote, they've gleefully dynamited historic statues, destroyed industries with their racist equity, not equality demands, bullied their way onto corporate boards and into every TV commercial and openly discriminated against white men to elevate the incompetent. They've shamelessly grafted millions of dollars from post-Floyd causes like Black Lives Matter and Ibram X. Kendi's Center for Anti-Racist Research at Boston University. They've succeeded in getting the media and universities to ban words like picnic, chief, American, master bedroom, and English department, seriously. And that's to say nothing of their penalty-free shoplifting, carjacking, maiming, and murdering. She's right. Everything Ann Coulter says here is correct. It's not made up. It's not an urban myth. Everything she cited has happened repeatedly and continues to happen. She didn't make any of it up. We all know she's right, don't we? Do you think, did you think, maybe you do think right now, that you hate Ann Coulter? Did you think that she was that blonde Nazi bitch? I called her that, that blonde Nazi bitch. That's what I thought of Ann Coulter when I was a lefty. Till a few years ago when I cleared my mind of progressive programming. Anyway, you should read the whole article. I definitely recommend it. Again, her substack is called Unsafe. Now, I have a video I want you to look at. It's a couple of minutes long, um, and I want you to see it before I comment on it because I don't want to prime you. Let's roll that, please, Kevin. 
Get out! Get out! Get out! Put your hands back here. I ain't doing shit. Put your damn hands back here. Who are you? Staff Sergeant Alder Sheriff's Office. My name is Halloween. I don't care. Step to the rear of this vehicle. In the name of who? In the name of the it's law of the state of Georgia. Step back here. Now you're getting tased. Put your hands on the back of that truck. Do you see that? Put your hands on the back of that truck. The back of the truck. Both hands. Turn around. 34 Kim, send me another unit. One non-compliant. Your name is Officer Who? Staff Sergeant Aldridge with the Camden County Sheriff's Office. Who County? Camden County. Put your hand behind your back. Do I have a do I have a warrant? Wait, wait. No, 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 Excuse me. Excuse me. Either put your hands behind your back or you're getting tased. I'm telling you that right now. Why am I getting tased? Because you are under arrest for speeding and reckless driving. I'm not driving. Nobody was hurt. How was I speeding? You passed me doing 100 miles an hour. Okay, so that's a speeding ticket, right? Sir, tickets in the state of Georgia are criminal offenses. I don't have a ticket in Georgia. You do now? Why? You passed me doing 100 miles an hour. And what? Am I going Hands to behind your back. Yes, you are going no. to jail. Hands behind your back. Put your hands behind your back. I'm going to ask you some questions after what you've just seen. Please actually consider them. One, are cops legally correct to pull over people who are doing 100 miles per hour? Two, is it a cop's legal and proper job to stop and detain people who are guilty of reckless and dangerous driving? Number three, do cops have the legal authority to arrest citizens when they commit crimes? Number four, do citizens have the right to try to kill cops for doing their jobs while asking the cop if they like this bitch? Five, now I'm done with the questions. I'm gonna guess that you answered yes to all of those questions except the last one about whether it was okay to kill a cop. So I also assume that you will find the following media and organizational coverage of this situation surprising. The man's name that you're looking at here, um, who was arrested and then subsequently shot after he apparently tried to kill the cop, his name is Leonard Cure, C-U-R-E. Here's the Southern, Southern Poverty Law Center's reaction. 
SPLC is deeply saddened by the tragic loss of Leonard Cure in Camden, Camden County, Georgia. We urgently call for a transformation in policing that honors every individual's rights. The ongoing anti-blackness in policing must end. Every leader must act for justice and accountability. Second tweet they put up is black with white lettering. SPLC mourns death of Leonard Cure, renews call for reimagining of policing in America. What about that video you just saw represented anti-blackness? I'll wait. What about that video represented anything but a police officer correctly protecting public safety by pulling over and stopping a guy who was driving 100 miles an hour and, according to the cop, recklessly. By definition, driving 100 miles an hour on a highway is reckless driving, by definition. Okay. What was anti-black about that? The, SPCL, the SPLC calls this a, a tragic loss, yeah? He didn't do nothing wrong, nothing. We learned from CBS News that Leonard Cure had just had, was released from prison after alleged after an allegedly wrong conviction for armed robbery. You will forgive me for not immediately believing that he was totally the wrong guy and that this man we just saw would never do anything like armed robbery. Doesn't have a violent bone in his body, does he? You will forgive me for not immediately believing it. Leonard Keir was in jail for 16 years, and if he was wrongfully convicted, then by God, yes, he did need to be set free. Absolutely. More than one thing can be true at the same time. Really, really. We've forgotten this, but it really is true. What has that to do, though, with his violent attempt to kill a cop who pulled him over for endangering other motorists with his reckless driving? Well, quite a lot, according to the media coverage. Here's how CBS News characterized it. Quote, the two exchanged words before Cure went to the back of his truck and put his hands on the back of the pickup before the deputy told him he would tase him for speeding and reckless driving. The two began scuffling before Cure ends up on the ground and was ultimately shot by the deputy. Stop right there. No, the deputy did not tase him for speeding and reckless driving. That is a lie. That is a bald-faced lie. You can hear it. I'm not going to go back and do it, but anyone can watch that video. And he said, put your hands on that truck or behind your back, or I am going to tase you. The threat of tasing was because he was not complying with arrest. He, the cop did not pull him over and say, you were speeding and, and doing reckless driving, so I'm going to tase you. Stop lying, CBS News. Do you see... If you don't know, if you can't see the source video, you're not going to know anything true anymore in this country. This is the degree to which respectable media lies, and they, they do know they're lying. It is conscious, yes. This guy resisted arrest, bent the cop's neck back in an apparent attempt to try to kill him, and said, yeah, bitch, yeah, bitch. I think he got what was coming to him. And I think a lot of people know that too. 
at least half the American population believes that white cops apparently are not allowed to do their jobs. Hell, they think they're not even allowed to live if that means a black man has to pay any consequences for his bad fucking behavior. Just let the black man kill you, right? For justice, like Ryan Carson. As always happens, the mainstream media is doing its best to portray this thug as a saint. More from CBS News. Quote, the black man was compliant until he was told he was under arrest, according to a Georgia Bureau of Investigation statement. No. The capital B black man, as they wrote it, was compliant until he was told he was under arrest. That's another lie. You can see it and you can hear it. At first, he refused to get out of the truck. But then since he was told he was being arrested, it was understandable that he did what he did, right? I mean, you're not going to tell a black man he's arrestable and expect him not to try to kill you, are you? Racist. Here's parasitic leech black attorney Benjamin Crump, who is naturally representing Leonard Keir's family. Quote, Civil rights attorney Ben Crump said the family wants to see more video of a live stream that they say Cure started when he was pulled over. Quote, we want to see if they at any way had reason to fear for their lives where they had to use deadly force. The family is not convinced you're going to see that, said Crump. So having your neck bent back while a man screams, yeah, bitch, yeah, bitch, isn't enough to fear for your life. That's not an indication that your life might be in danger. Audience, listen to these people. Listen to what they're saying. Compare it to what you can see and hear with your own eyes. Do you wonder how much more of this may have been going on for the past 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years? I sure do. Yeah. I question every claim now, every historical claim in recent memory that somebody was killed by a racist. All of it. It's all back to square one with me. It has to be proven all over again. I, disbel I disbelieve it. I don't believe it until it's proven now, because now we've seen behind the curtain. We see how they lie. This is the beginning of the canonization of St. Leonard Cure. Just like Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown, perfect angels who didn't do nothing but sacrifice their beautiful black bodies on the altars of America's racist law enforcement system. By next year, we'll have statues of Leonard Cure, and you know that's not a joke. You know it's true. We have a call back here to a story we've covered. Oh, I think this is uh, time number three now. It just, it, it just won't. Uh, no, it's just time number two. <laughs> it all gets mixed up. People say, you remember that show you did three months ago? And I'm like, I did a show three months ago. I have no idea what I said. <laughs> Let's revisit Artemis Troon. I'm sorry. That's, that's, my, that's my inside voice name for, for this young man, Artemis Troon. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you, uh, I, I realize not everybody knows, the word troon is a mocking portmanteau 
of trans and cartoon. That's one of its derivations. Uh, because these guys, well, I mean, the women do it too, but but mainly, these guys are so comical, the ones who call themselves women, so they're troons. Um, this, this guy's name, he claims, is Artemis Langford. So recall the male goblin who calls himself Artemis Langford. Yeah, you're seeing him on the screen here. Pre and post transition, the transition merely consists of having applied mascara and lipstick. We told you about how he got himself into the Wyoming chapter of the women's sorority, Kappa Kappa Gamma. We told you about how he leered at women, often with an erection. We told you about how, he, how women in that sorority sued the sorority, claiming that this man watched him watched them undress for his own sexual pleasure. Completely unbelievable claim, of course. Take, you know, just take a good look at that fine young lady. Why would, why would Republicans say this about her? Why would they do that? <laughs> well, like black people in America, perverted men who call themselves women are saints who can do no wrong. And the Washington Post, naturally, is there to wash his actions clean. Let's visit the Washington Post. Here's their, here's their advertisement for their story on social media. It shows a picture of Artemis looking pensively and sadly out a window full of spattered raindrops. <laughs> oh, it gets better. <laughs> it gets more Hollywood. So it says, a 21-year-old University of Wyoming student was looking for community. Instead, she faced death threats, a federal lawsuit, and an attempt to kick her out. She was looking for community. Let me read to you from the Washington Post screenplay. I, what I'm about to read to you is literally word for word the Washington Post. I, I didn't rewrite this for dramatic effect. Okay, here we go. I am going to I'm going to put a little bit of a voice on it, though. It needs a little bit of uh, audiobook narration. Dateline, Laramie, Wyoming. The morning sky was still as dark as Artemis. Uh, the <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me start again. I'm going to do this right. Dateline, Laramie, Wyoming. The morning sky was still dark as Artemis Langford's father hoisted the last of her belongings into her car for the drive back to college. Be safe, he told her. I will, she promised. She didn't mention how a day earlier, as she scrolled through social media comments, she saw someone had called her a sicko who should be torn apart in a wood chipper, or how she discovered her name on neo-Nazi websites, or how news stories about her had been posted on a forum for gun owners alongside a hangman's noose. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Laramie, Wyoming. How convenient. How, how perfectly convenient for the Washington Post so that they could make you think of Matthew Shepard. You think you know Matthew Shepard's story, don't you? You probably think that Matthew Shepard was murdered more than 20 years ago for being gay. But that never happened. He was murdered, but that story never happened. Matthew Shepard was a drug addict and a drug dealer who was having sex with one of his co-drug dealers, also a man, also a gay man. And his boyfriend killed him over a botched drug deal. That's what happened. He wasn't killed for being gay. Shocked, 
Yeah, I know. I know some of you are because you tell me the last time I told this story, some people couldn't believe it. Now you know. Look it up. <laughs> More from the Washington Post. Right-wing pundits portrayed her, that is Artemis, Artemis, portrayed her on national television as a predator, as a perverted man who faked his way into a sorority to leer at women. Death threats followed. Strangers began stalking her. Police assigned extra patrols to the sorority house. Now, contrast that with the testimony of women in Kappa Kappa Gamma. And these, uh, this comes from the site Redux, R-E-D-U-X-X, uh, a woman feminist-run website that does absolutely great straight news with actual facts about this uh, trans nonsense. Quote, according to court records, Langford had been voyeuristically peeping on the women while they were in intimate situations and on at least one occasion had a visible erection while doing so. Next quote. Langford has, while watching members enter the sorority house, had an erection visible through his leggings, the suit says. Other times he has had a pillow in his lap. Well, the Democrats in Wyoming are here to help as well. Here they are on Twitter. <laughs> this is from Wyoming Democrats. Meet Artemis, our new legislative intern, exclam. Her job will be to help keep us informed about the legislative session and the bills being brought before the legislature, amongst many other things. Welcome, Artemis, exclam. And then the inset to get my borderline glasses for this. Artemis will be our eyes and ears in the legislature this session. She is a sophomore at the University of Wyoming studying history. Her favorite hobbies are stargazing slash astronomy, writing, kayaking, and being a ferroequinologist. Bonus points if you know what that is without looking it up. Welcome, Artemis. There's more. Just one more. <laughs> then I'll give you a break, I promise. <laughs> this one's getting the actual voice. We have the best legislative intern. We were able to keep Democrats across the state informed and engaged this session in large part due to Artemis's hard work. Thank you. Thank you, Artemis. Thank you. And if you believe that anyone other than a woman wrote those tweets, I have a bridge to sell you. <laughs> All right, we're coming up on a break and you definitely want to stay tuned. When we come back in the next section, we're going to talk to the man who is behind the Burlington, Vermont stickering campaign. Bill Ochen, our friend, friend of the show, friend of mine, Kevin's and Christopher Felkers. This is his first public appearance. He'll be here with his lawyer, Sandy Baird, after finally being given three tickets from the city. They're gonna prosecute him. They're gonna try. Come back and see us for the interview. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. 
move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more, and all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. For several years now, a friend of this show, friend of mine, Bill Ochin, and several other people have been putting up stickers around the city of Burlington that are challenging both the transgender indoctrination of children and also the state of Vermont's support for actually performing sex change chemical and physical surgeries on children. You're seeing some of these stickers on your screen right now. Real men defend women's sex-based rights, spaces, and sports. No one was ever born into the wrong body. You see these stickers, those of you who can see video. They all have these non-threatening and correct messages. Lifelong medical dependency is not kindness. That's the content of the kinds of stickers that Bill has been putting up and that I put up, that Kevin put up, and several other people put up over the past few years. But it's largely been down to a core group, and Bill is one of them. For this, the Burlington City Council has said that we are enacting harm against children. Why? Well because they've been put up near schools, for example. These are all going on um, light posts on the back of stop signs. They're not, they're not on the front of traffic signs. This city, if you've never been to Burlington, the entire city downtown, everything is covered in stickers. Every utility pole, every lamp post, it's everywhere. So Bill has done the same. Uh, but the city has accused Bill and us of doing harm to children, creating a hostile environment against trans children. We, the ones who say that no child is born in the wrong body, we are the ones who are doing children harm. And they have taken, that is the city, has taken no action against people who have posted actually threatening stickers, people who post threatening stickers against, I, I, I'm sorry to say the word, I don't like the phrase, but against our side. Our side is, is people who don't want ch children mutilated. That's our side. It's, it's not a political party. It's uh, before a few years ago was not considered a partisan position. They've taken no action against those who have posted actually threatening stickers. But now, the city has started 
to prosecute Bill Ochen. They've issued him with citations and fines for the first time. You're seeing them on your screen. There's three of them. They were hand-delivered to Bill's house by two uniformed officers. The charge is graffiti and defacement of property. There are three of them. Each of them carries a $400 fine for a total of $1,200 in fines. Now, let's take a look at who the city and the police are not targeting for stickering. I wonder why they'd be going after Bill, but, but not, not after the people that you're going to see putting up these stickers. Shut up, white queers, with uh, the name Chris Felker written on there. Chris Felker is our friend, my friend, chairman of the Burlington Republican Party. Next sticker, turf die, comrades fly. Turf means trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Next sticker, save the world, kill a turf. Felker, eat shit. What else we got in that? Leave trans kids alone, Felker. He's, he's, he's their boogeyman. Chris is their boogeyman. Turf blood is yummy, says this sticker. <clears throat> okay. I, I, I assume it is self-evident the difference in tone and threatening stance between what Bill has put up and what the city has decided does not need to be prosecuted. I wonder why. Take a look at some of the other stickers the city isn't prosecuting because they're everywhere. Here's one uh, from the AFL-CIO. Organize for wages, for benefits, for power. Vermont Workers Circle. Oh, no, I'm not claiming that's threatening. It's not threatening at all. I don't see anything wrong with it. I mean, I certainly don't support um, I don't support that kind of union politicking personally, but it's it's perfectly legal and legitimate to do it. It's just not something I would join. Okay, fair enough. How about this one? Extreme cold weather shelter. Advertisement that's showing people where they can go in the middle of winter. Winters are very hard here. Uh, and this is advertising a shelter for people who need a warm place to stay. Is, but it's not um, it's not defacing that city property that it's on. Okay, all right. Um, but you know what's interesting? You're going to see. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin. It doesn't matter which one you put on the screen. They're all. Yeah. Here. Here we go. Here's one. I need an abortion. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> well, then go to the abortion.com store. <laughs> um, the thing about this is it's really easy to figure out who put up these stickers because of things like the fact that I need an abortion.com as a website. There's contact information. There's a QR code. The, um, the, the extreme weather shelter, we, we, we know who, who put that up because – it's their sticker and they operate the extreme weather shelter and there's there's contact information there. So it, it can't really be that, that the city can't find out who they are. That can't be the reason that they're that they're not issuing citations to them. I don't know what could be, but it's not that. Um, 
Uh, oh, here's another one. Again, not threatening. Um, Leonardo's Pizza is hiring. That appears to be on the back of a traffic sign. Um, and and I mean, everybody locally knows where Leonardo's Pizza is. I mean, there's one on Williston Road. There's several other locations. There's certainly uh, they're not, they're not impossible to find. Um, but there you go. Uh, and and of course. <clears throat> Um, this announcement for <laughs> People's Pride, June 24th, and it's one of these, and, uh, of course, everything from these people is infantilized. It's all childlike stuff to justify adult perversions. So it's a hand-drawn rainbow and little cartoon ki kitties <laughs> and a sun behind the rainbow. People's Pride, June 24th. No cops, it says on the side. No cops. It's like a, you know, it, it's these, these, it's like children who put up a clubhouse and with like a hand scrawled sign that says no grown-ups. <laughs> All right. So this past March, March of 2023, 2023, the Burlington City Council passed a resolution against what they call our hate speech. And when I say our, they did not name us specifically, but this was targeted at us. Um, us is Bill Ochen, Christopher Felker, me, Kevin Hurley, the other half of the show, uh, and other people whose names we are still going to protect. Um, they passed a resolution against our hate speech. They didn't name us, but they implied that we were, for, for the sorts of things we're saying, don't do this to children, men are, are men, women are women, they implied in the resolution that we are responsible for the, the murder of a so-called trans woman that took place about a year ago. A trans woman, that is a, a young man who called himself a woman, who picked up an actual psychopath who had just been released from the, uh, the uh, psychiatric hospital picked him up in his car and went down a country road alone with him for purposes anyone can imagine. And sadly, tragically, that psychopath murdered that young man, that trans woman. The Vermont City Council's resolution implied that we were to blame for this. We were creating a hostile atmosphere against queer people. This has been building for years here locally. Burlington has been working diligently to find a way to silence people like Bill, who are threatening no one and who are actually standing up for the interests of children and women. They've been very blatant about it. They don't care. They, they're allowed to be blatant because they, they have faced zero consequences uh, for their violations of the law in spirit and um, in fact. Um, you, you're going to hear, I'm going to play you a couple of clips here. The first one is... Burlington City Council member Ben Travers, and this was from the meeting in March of uh, 2023 at which they passed this resolution. We could have debates, and we had debates in law school around the First Amendment and whether uh, it should extend to protecting uh, hate speech. And I know that regularly uh, courts um, have 
um, taken a very broad look with respect to the First Amendment and hate speech. And I know um, that we in all likelihood could not be passing a resolution tonight um, that flat out prohibits uh, the type of stickering that's been the subject of the discussion that we've had right now. Because uh, uh, frankly, it's, it's the type of hate speech that whether you agree with it or not um, is protected under our First Amendment. Uh, but the First Amendment doesn't stop us as a city council for calling out that speech for what it is. It, it is, uh, in the eyes of many of our community members, hateful, uh, it's harmful, uh, it's hurtful, and I'm glad that we're uh, taking this opportunity uh, to call it out. So consolidate what you just heard. Councilman Travers said on tape that he knows that this is a First Amendment issue. He knows that the city can't outlaw this. He admits it. It's very, very good that we have tape of this. Very good. It's a real good thing. Also, there's no such thing in American jur jurisprudence as hate speech. I know, I know a lot of people still find that surprising. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying to you, if this is surprising to you, I mean it literally. I'm, I'm not saying no such thing. I'm saying there is literally no American legal jurisprudence that actually defines and codifies what is hate speech. The First Amendment does not allow for that. Yes, I do accept, acknowledge, and understand the reality that there are states that have tried to outlaw hate speech. They are extra constitutional. That, <laughs> I, you know, in a few years, it's not even, it's, I, it's not even gonna matter if I say this stuff. I, I'm watching this happen across our society. The more older people die off, the fewer of us there are left who actually remember the actual objective facts of our Constitution and how our society was before about 15 years ago. So in a few years, no one's going to believe what I said, even though it's factual. And so because they won't believe that, it simply won't be true anymore. It'll be untrue. All right. This is um, State Representative Emma Mulvaney-Stanick, um, who is... Um, Running for mayor of Burlington, she wants to be everybody's mommy, and this is what she had to say. About an ongoing issue that's been going on for years in Burlington, in the new North End, and, and really, unfortunately, coming into the old North End, uh, a series of transphobic stickers have been going up. I've mentioned this in a past MPA or two. It's ongoing, and uh, several community leaders in the, and members and neighbors in the new North End, as well as here in the old North End, have been trying um, relentlessly to take them down and to get the city to address issues. And I just want to acknowledge Rachel Jolly, who's here from the uh, Community Justice Center. We have a, a few very hardworking partners in the city, but there's there's a lot of inertia on a higher level in the city to actually bring an end to these stickers. Um, we know who it is. The person is um, not a safe individual to be around, and it's creating a very hostile um, hate environment, given everything else that's going on in Vermont against the LGBTQ community, but especially our trans siblings, as well as nationally. And with the um, what happened in Colorado Springs, it's even more imperative that the city take this seriously. When we have a hostile environment, stuff like that happens, people think it's okay to harass and um, beyond hate speech, but to actually take action, which I'm very nervous about for the sake of, of Burlington and Vermont. That is particularly wicked and disgusting. That is a complete sociopathic reversal. 
she, Emma Mulvaney Stanek herself, and it is my belief that she's doing this consciously. She knows what she's doing and she means to do it. She's reversing the truth. She's saying that Bill, who she won't, we know who this individual is. He's not a safe individual to be around. Why did she say that? She is actively, and yes, I do believe consciously, she means to actually create an unsafe environment for Bill. She would like to see him hurt. That is my belief, yes. And I think a lot of the council would also like to see Bill physically hurt. Mm-hmm, yep. Me too. Anybody else? Felker, absolutely. They'd love it. They would love it. She's actively doing it. She's saying he's unsafe to be around. And she's claiming that we are creating a hostile atmosphere that is allowing other people to take action. That's, that's what I meant when I said a few minutes ago that they are trying to imply, not trying to imply, they are implying very clearly that our words, the kind of words you saw in those stickers, no one was born into the wrong body, we created a hostile atmosphere that gave that psychopath permission to kill the trans woman. That's how sick these people are. Complete cluster B reversal. That is Simon Pure textbook cluster B sociopathic manipulation. One more clip for you that is going to make it perfectly clear with no room for error or misunderstanding that this city council and these politicians know, they know that they don't have constitutional authority to do what they're doing to Bill. This is the uh, city attorney speaking. Whether or not something is a crime, like, like the use of stickers, for example, under Vermont state law, one of the definitions for um, like destruction of properties, you have to have some destruction. So the question for a sticker, like if you had a post-it note, for example, and it's easily removable and there's no damage to the sign or whatever the property is, it wouldn't meet the definition of a crime because there's no property damage. But if you're, if you are, if it's speech where it's just a racial slur about a group of people or something that's, you know, expresses bigotry, it's not directed at anyone, it's not, um, that's, that's not a, a crime. A lot of that is constitutionally protected, um, but, not if, but not if you commit a crime in expressing it. So um, just because I can constitutionally say out loud, you know, any American say out loud can say a racial slur, doesn't mean... Okay, I have a correction. He, uh, not city attorney. He's the assistant state's attorney. That's what you probably know as an assistant district attorney. So it's very clear. It's very, very clear. They know. He knows. He just schooled them. It's not illegal to say racist things. It's not illegal to say bigoted things. Right, leave aside the fact that nothing Bill has said or anything we said is racist, bigoted, phobic, hate speech, whatever it is. Leave that aside. Assume that it was. Assume that it was terrible, right? Assume it was nothing but the N-word. N, 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 all over the city. Guess what? Not a crime. Deal with it. You Wokies, deal with it. This is America, not Gaza. And now we are going to welcome, for the first time publicly under his own name, Bill Ochen and his lawyer, Sandy Baird. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for asking us. Thanks, Josh. Uh, hey, Bill. So Bill Ochen, my friend, friend of the show, um, sticker man. Sandy Baird is a civil liberties lawyer. Um, I'm going to go to you first, Sandy. 
When did you become aware of this stickering campaign? Um, and what did you think about it when you first uh, when you first noticed it? I became aware that there was a problem around this problem uh, around when I became reunited with a female friend of ours, a woman friend of ours, Peggy Lures, when she began to question the whole transgender uh, kind of ideology. And she was right. What she argued was that she's a citizen of Burlington. She argued that the um, whole use of pronouns gender-affirming, so-called gender-affirming healthcare was essentially disappearing women. Peggy and I were feminists, and we were always active together for many years on feminist issues. I became aware then of the importance of the issue. And on that regard, I got to know the other people who were not only concerned about this whole use of pronouns and the whole you and the advocation, really, of gender-affirming surgeries and um, hormone treatment, I then got to know Bill and also Chris Aaron Felker, who were trying to do something about it and trying to end it. And they were stickering all these little slogans around town that I thought were really not only uh, true, but also kind of fun. And so that's when I began to know these guys because that effort of stickering became uh, almost prohibited in Burlington. And I, as you mentioned, I'm a civil liberties nutcase, really. I believe anything should be spoken. It should be spoken rather than violence used against people that you agree with, disagree with. And so um, I became aware that they were under attack, Chris and Bill both, and other people who were doing stickering with slogans that said, no one's born in the wrong body. And so at a certain point, they came to see me and I became involved in this issue really as a free speech issue. So that's my story. And I'm still involved, and I'm happy to do so. Well, it, it's it's to us, and and I think to a lot of the people who will listen to this show, uh, amazing the the vitriol and the accusations yeah. that have been leveled at people like Bill uh, for putting up what are, as you said, Sandy, not only true. I think you said that the statements are not only true, but you know, kind of fun. I would add to that innocuous there's nothing yep. threatening about them at all there's nothing uh, mean-spirited they're not they're not harsh in tone they're not negative at all um they're you know they're expressions of well really of of an attempt to protect children from permanent psychological and physical mutilation and scarring and bill it's it i i i would guess i mean you could correct me if i'm wrong but i'm I would guess that you you've found it as shocking as the rest of us have that um, our local government officials have have called this activity. I'm I, I'm calling it your activity. You're not the only one who's done it. I want to give you the credit, but I also don't want you to take all the blame because we we've, we've all participated in, and want to support you. But it's just amazing um, the the sorts of things that the city council. Uh, and that local political leaders have said about you, about us, and about the messages of these stickers. They've called them transphobic. They've called them um, uh, creating a hostile environment. They've said that they are putting children in danger. So I, I may be sort of pre-answering your question for you, but this is the first time, Bill, that that we've used your name. This is the first time that you've come forward and said, you know, hey, it's me. How come you um, you stayed anonymous for as long as you did? Uh, I felt, well, with all the, um, uh, uh, the focus 
from the city government um, and the media, local media, uh, with uh, being so much uh, focused on, on me, um, I felt that uh, I, I didn't want to come on to your show. I, you, you'd asked me a few times. Um, and, um, I thought I was already overexposed enough. Um, there was a, there's a website uh, dedicated to um, stalking me, to following my, my daily movements, my photos of where I live, photos of my car. My car was vandalized. Um, I, uh, I, I, has, had, uh, I had to give it some thought before exposing myself even more. Um, when uh, I stepped out of my house to take my dog for a walk one morning, and in my driveway, next to the door of the driver's door of my car, was a Ruger pocket holster. And I called a uh, neighbor over and, and uh, said, well, what do you make of that? And he said, no, that's a, um, a Sicilian calling card. And um, uh, so with the, uh, I know that Christopher uh, uh, brought this up to at NPAs and different uh, city council meetings. Speaking about this, um, and uh, he he got the uh, I, or the uh, state attorney uh, state attorney general's office had actually said, "There's nothing we can do about this. Uh, this is this is free speech." And um, the mayor was asked, uh, "Do you want to go to court over it?" The mayor said, "No, we'll not go to court. Don't want to." And I figured, okay, we've reached a stalemate. I will continue and try to stay under the radar as much as I can because uh, you know, I have some uh, personal safety considerations. Um, and then uh, there were the uh, recent uh, citations uh, that were hand delivered to me by the police. And I went to my, uh, my uh, team here and said, uh, okay, I, uh, we need the stalemate's broken. We we have to we have to go to the mattresses. Yeah. And, you know, I said earlier in the show before you two joined us how perverse it is that people like Emma Mulvaney Stanek uh, call you an unsafe individual to be around. She's very clearly trying to create uh, fear in other people that you are actually someone who is going to physically hurt them, which is, of course, ridiculous when, in fact, you it's you who is being stalked by these people. Um, and it's you who is being defamed by these people. And that, that brings me to another question. I know I don't know all of your background, but I know that you have long considered yourself to be on the political left. You've been involved with uh, left-leaning uh, political uh, actions and projects. But you're also um, – you were a public school teacher for many years, weren't you? That is correct. No um, you know, and, and we were talking a little bit last night before we did the show here. You, you know, you were a classroom teacher for 16 years uh, until you left that field in 2017. And I know I am I correct that you you were also um, you were involved in some of the Occupy Wall Street um, activities. Is that correct? Just about day one. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the, the question that comes up for me. You know, you've been a known quantity locally. People know who you are locally. They've known you as a uh, as as a sometime political activist and somebody who's been on the left side of the spectrum. Did you predict 
that you would be on the outs with your own political tribe to the degree that you have been now? Or is, is this a surprise or did you see it coming? Um, when I first started uh, questioning the, uh, the uh, trans orthodoxy uh, amongst uh, and, and having conversations with a handful of very, very close uh, leftist friends, anarchists, uh, uh, I saw that actually most of them said, yeah, this is crazy, but we have to pretend to go along with this because um, uh, it's the, um, it, we have to do this for the, we have to do this for the movement. And, for the movement, and I, okay. For the movement. Whatever that was. Women, children, and on the left, let's face it, if you, if you do a little, if, a little digging into history, um, the left has always found it expedient to throw women under the bus. Uh, am I wrong? No. In fact, I, as Peggy Lors and I were involved in the early feminist movement, we had, Peggy more than I, uh, had to really separate ourselves from the left because it was all male, pretty much, and they were involved in very important issues, but the women were carrying coffee. And then, and the men were not involved in the women's issues of the day, which were the um, issues around reproductive freedom. And so, abortion, in other words. And so, yeah, we left. And you're right, uh, but, but um, this whole stickering thing also, I think, is a, a deep violation of the U.S. Constitution. It's, it's more than uh, divisive on the left. It is a violation of our most basic U.S. American principles of liberty. This is a way to stifle speech. The United States is perhaps the freest country on earth in terms of freedoms and liberties, particularly free speech. You can't have democracy without it. That's when I got very upset about it, and so I was willing to take this on. I might mention that Bill is taking another risk with this. Uh, he has been issued tickets, correct? Um, I don't, as a lawyer, I don't like him talking about it yet, but he wants to do that, and so here he is talking about his effort really to maintain free speech. You know, okay. the... Um you anticipated me. I mean, that's that that's the crux of this. This is a, yeah. a First Amendment free speech issue. And I think so. You know, it's I almost don't even know how to talk about this anymore. I mean, these conversations we have with each other, the three of us, the rest of us, these these are surreal conversations. I don't I don't know about you, Sandy, but I did not predict that we would be. Um, we would be in a position where we actually had to remind people that, that speech is protected under the Constitution. And when I hear mm -hmm. Burlington officials talking about, um, they, they keep using the term hate speech, hate speech. I know. I think, tell me what you think about this, Sandy. I think these adults, these actual adults really do not understand that they are factually wrong. They really do believe right. that there's such a thing as hate speech in American jurisprudence, and there just isn't. I would almost say, what is he, what are they talking about? It's speech, period. That's what it is. I can say legally in any other way, I hate you. So what? Right. And you can say I hate you back. I mean, you know the old adage, sticks and tones may break my bones and names will never hurt me. Speech doesn't hurt 
violence does. And when you stop talking about your differences, that's when violence breaks out. I don't, I don't even get it. I was in a debate the other day on this subject with a, with a trans person on CCTV, public access television, and it was surrounded by an audience of people who believe that this kind of stickering is hate speech. And I said, what's hateful? First of all, it's not hateful. It's saying a, an absolute loving message. No yes. one is born, born in the wrong body. That means if you're born fat or ugly or in any other way, it's still not a wrong body. It's yes. your body and you should care for it and cherish it for as long as you can. So it's not hate. It's a loving message. Thank you for Second, saying that. Thank you for saying that because it's it's... It's another inversion of the truth. It's calling love yeah. hate and hate love. It's calling beauty right. ugliness, etc. But here's the other thing. Sandy, Bill, are either of you aware, has the city or the police, to your knowledge, ever targeted any of the other stickers that are all over every single lamppost and almost every single traffic sign in the city? Ha have they gone after anybody else? Not. We're trying to figure that out, but I doubt it. I doubt it because none of that... This is such a hot issue that um, a man like Bill is called a hateful person for saying truth and for even uttering speech. How can they do this to us? So we're prepared to fight for this, for, 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 for the right for anybody, even to say hate speech. Why not? We submitted a, uh, a records request for all of the uh, police involvement in, um, in investigation of all uh, stickering and in fact all of graffiti um, during the period in question um, and that was two weeks ago and we haven't heard uh, back from the city. Oh, um, do they have two weeks or have they already passed a uh, statutory I deadline think, for responding? I think they passed the statutory deadline as well so we're going to have to do something about it. Okay, so that puts us in the position of you know kind of suing the police. I think it'll be fun. However, it puts a person, I do, I think, it, you know, call to task their ridiculous attitudes about free speech. How can they think that the U.S. Constitution prohibits this? I don't even know where their minds have gone on this. Well, subject. you know what they're, you know what they're trying to do, right? I mean, no. ulti ultimately, ultimately the goal what the what the officials want, what the Emma Mulvaney Stanix want, what the Moreau Weinbergers want, what the Ben Travers wants, what, you know, the rest of the Wokies on the city council, what they want is they want to make an example out of Bill. They want they want they want to neutralize Bill, but they also want to scare the shit out of everybody who's watching it. Uh, look what we did to him. We're going to do it to you. They want to be able to go on the record and say, we prosecuted a hate crime, even though that doesn't exist. But what they're doing is they're trying to say, I mean, if you look at those citations, uh, the actual handwritten tickets that Bill showed us, the charge that they're giving him is defacement of property. So they're Ooh. trying to find a way to do their hate speech prosecution by saying, um, uh, but yeah, he was defacing property. But there, we showed a montage before you joined us on the show. We showed our viewers a montage 
of stickers all over Burlington, and they were both uncontroversial stickers, but some of them were actual physical threats. We had things like um, abortion providers um, giving their websites. We had um, uh, a union organizing flyer from the AFL-CIO. City has no problem with any of this, you know, all that's fine. But then there are a number of stickers up there which are, are no different, are no different uh, in in physical in the physical material they use to adhere to the surface, uh-huh. no different from what Bill has used, that are actually threatening to to people that they're calling turfs, trans exclusionary radical feminists. One of them said, "Turf blood is yummy." Another said, "Kill a yeah. turf." People have written Christopher Aaron Felker's name on some of these threatening messages. Yeah. And the city doesn't lift a damn finger about this. Um, It seems like any other political speech, political speech the city likes, will be ignored, not the speech they don't like, though. And this is... Well, you're you're the First Amendment lawyer. I think I'm right on this. Back me up, but but tell me if I'm wrong. This seems to me to be very clear evidence that, that the city is taking... A, they're t- they have a bias against content. This is right. not a content-neutral prosecution. Right. That itself is is a violation, is it not? Right. Uh, that's what I think, and I think it's selective prosecution of people that they don't agree with, and it's occur it's occurring everywhere. It's it, you know it's occurring in the schools that all this language is being prohibited because they don't like it, um, and this is really creating a totally authoritarian society which controls, what, your speech? This is, it's it's untold of. I've gone through a lot of political movements in my time, and I've never seen anything like the breakage of our Constitution. Not as much. I mean, the, the government has tried. The governments will always try to restrict your liberties. But this is the most severe I've ever seen, and it exists I don't even understand where did these where did this community get this kind of power and acceptance? There's nobody that I know that accepts this these restrictions on speech. There's also mandated speech now that you have to use pronouns. That's that's not legal either. No, it's you can't not. Mandate what to say or that I have to now agree with you. That's that's also unconstitutional. Yeah, and you know, know you know what else? It's it's un-American. We don't. Yes. Let's let's bring this word back. This is un-American, appalling, uh, abuse of the legal system. What happens, Great. Bill, Sandy, either one of you? What happens if Bill just says I'm not going to pay? What do you think they're going to do? No, we're going to. Well, go ahead. You tell me. What I think is we're going to fight it. But you tell me. Oh, we're going to the mattresses. Yeah. Oh, but are you asking? Okay, if if we um, if we challenge this uh, at whatever the uh, side judge or assistant judge level, and the judge says, "Sorry, you broke the law. You admit that you broke the law. You, you got to pay the fine." Mm-hmm. What's our next step? I want to fight. Can we? Can we appeal? Can you appeal? Yes, because at this level you can appeal. Um, yes, appeals are very difficult. They're very costly. Um, but yes, you can appeal. Ultimately, though, if you are convicted and have to, it's, this is a civil offense. It's not really a criminal offense in the first place. It's okay. civil. But eventually, still, you could conceivably, if you don't pay a fine, be held in contempt of court, and you could even, you know, serve some amount of time until you so-called purge yourself of contempt. What I would guess 
is that we're hoping that number one, the tickets get dismissed. At that point, there's really that's the end of it. If they, if the government was smart, probably they would dismiss it, and that would be the end of it. But if they don't, if they proceed and make him convicted of something, well, what are you going to do about it? I'll talk to my lawyers. <laughs> You'll talk to your lawyer. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't wish more trouble. Uh, for you, Bill, I I really don't. You've you've you're very courageous, and you've already put yourself in yeah. harm's way. Um, but I have to tell you, from a selfish point of view, I hope this is a pitch battle because I want discovery. I want these, I want these people's records dragged out in public. I want to see what they've been doing in writing. Can we return just a moment for the uh, to, to the question about the timeline? Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, to me, the first constitutional line that they crossed was when I got a phone call out of the blue uh, from the Burlington Community um, <laughs> Community Justice Center, where, uh, where they said, "Oh, they, they, they we, we, we want to look at. We know who you are. We know what you've been up to." And it sounded like it was a, a conference call. That there, that there were other people, or I should say, um, that there were other people in the room. Because I don't think any individual working from the community justice center is going to make take this step on their own. So there, I think there were other people in the room. I get this call, uh, and um, they start talking about restorative justice. We know who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, now that office is run completely now. For the record, this is completely under CEDA, which is the Community and Economic Development uh, Office, which is completely run out of City Hall. So this is a this is a government office. This is a government. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. That certainly sounds intimidating uh, to me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But it it indicates what they've been spying on him. What's the deal? What? How did they know anything about him? This goes back. Yeah, who's talking to whom? What what are they doing in City Hall? What is the line of communication? What shenanigans are they up to? And I mean, look look how look how confident they are. They yeah. You know, in a in a properly functioning system, officials should actually have a healthy fear of the citizenry. They really should. Yeah. Because they are our servants, not the other way around. They serve us. We do not serve them. But they, their actions indicate not only do they have no fear, but they believe they, they have the power to run roughshod over the Constitution, intimidate people, and nothing is ever going to happen to them. And I'm sorry to say, given the track record of the past six or seven years, they are correct to be this brazen. They are correct to have observed that no consequences have come to them for their illegal and abusive behavior. And uh, you know, I'm really, I'm really hoping that this, this pushback, this fight coming from you, Bill, that you're helping out with, Sandy, is going to throw the fear of God back into some of these people and put them back in their place. The only way that they will be put back in their place is really through actions like Bill and through legal actions and to remind them in court that this is the still, I think, United States of America, and we still value liberty. We have to stress American values again. It's the only way we're going to win anything, it seems to me. Anyway. Yeah. 
In your preliminary segment that, that's going to precede this, uh, did you? I didn't see it all. Did you mention uh, the visit to my home uh, by the police chief? Uh, no, the police chief visited your house. July first last year. Uh, the knock on the door. I said, I I watched enough Dragnet as a kid. I know that knock. And I peeked out the window. I said, It's not just any copper. It's the chief. Um, That's Murad, right? Oh yeah. And he was very professional, um, it, but it was like, there's a rumor that uh, you might be involved in this, and, and well, we're not saying it's you, but uh, we want you to know that if one, if, if one of our officers sees someone doing this stickering, um, they, they can be fined up to $500, wink, wink, for, for each offense. Um, I said, thank you. And uh, I said, you're going to embarrass yourself. And I hope you didn't make it personal because I said that. Um, uh, I don't think you're the one who made it personal, Bill. You are not the one who made it personal. Amazing. Amazing. Um, we're going to wrap up here, but but this this point is important. We are four square behind you, Bill. We appreciate what you've done. And I know you don't know the viewers of the show. I don't know all of them either, but I communicate with them a lot. And the viewership is absolutely behind you. Um, and people want to help you. And to that end, there is, I want to tell the audience how they can support this because these legal battles cost money. Bill isn't rich. We're all just normal, everyday, workaday people. There's a, um, there is a fundraiser on Give, Send, Go. Um, and we're going to put that up on the screen. For those of you listening, you can donate to Bill's legal fund. Get a pencil. I'll read it out to you. It's not, too, it's not very long. GiveSendGo.com slash GB78J. That's GiveSendGo.com slash Great Britain 78 Juliet. And um, I, I hope to see those coffers fill up and we will be here uh, to we're going to continue covering this story. We want to talk to you and hear about the updates uh, and we want to be a help to you as well. And I want to say thank you, Bill, for your courage. Thank you for what you've been doing for years, but thank you for being courageous enough to show your face now and stand up for it. Um, and Sandy, uh, thank you for fighting the good legal fight on the civil liberties front as you always have. I'm very lucky to have you in my corner. Yes, we all are to have you guys. Right. Great. Thanks thank for you. joining us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. Great. Come back and see us after the break. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more, and all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher 
for Discord access. The universities everywhere are completely cluster B captured, as most of you know. The evidence is everywhere. Tenured professors at our most prestigious colleges correctly note that they can say the most depraved things in public with absolutely no consequences, none at all. Here's Cornell University professor Russell Rickford in New York City this past week giving his reaction to the Hamas attack on Israel and civilians. It was exhilarating. He's saying it was, it was exhilarating. I was exhilarated. It was energizing. If we didn't find it exhilarating, we wouldn't be human. It's a challenge on the monopoly of violence. You see what he wants, right? He's telling you. The shifting balance of power, that's what it is for such people, pure, raw power over. That's all that they want. That's all that they want. Not more, not justice, power. This is, no, it's not just important. It's crucial and necessary to understand that. They want power. That is all that they want. I note that those with antisocial or sociopathic tendencies also tend to have very high uh, threshold levels for stimulation and excitement. It's, it's characteristic of that personality structure. They require much, much more to become aroused and invigorated. Often, um, death, rape, and other mayhem is actually what they seek and what they need in order to feel that exhilaration. Take stock of this. Look at this. Look at this Cornell University professor standing on the streets of New York City. And then cast your mind 15 years back into the past. Would you have believed that this would come out of what we have considered America's best and brightest even 15 years ago? Would you have believed 15 years ago that this is the society that we would be living in today? <laughs> Speaking of those with apparent sociopathic and antisocial tendencies, I give you U.S. House Representative from Minnesota, Rashida Tlaib. Continue to watch people think it's okay to bomb a hospital where children. You know what's so hard sometimes is watching those videos and, and the people telling the kids don't cry and like let them cry. And they're shaking, and somebody, you know this, they keep telling them not to cry in Arabic. They, do, they can cry. I can cry. We all can cry. If we're not crying, something is wrong. And so I'm telling you right now, President Biden, not all America's with you on this one. And you need to wake up and understand that. 
literally, literally watching people commit genocide and killing a vast majority just like this. And we still stand by and say nothing. We will remember this. But all of you, you need to know. I swear to God, why you have Allah. You are on the right side of history. You are. You're doing everything possible to save lives. What is wrong with that? Stop it with trying to try to politicize this. <laughs> no tears. There were no tears. Sociopaths feign human emotion. The very good ones, the ones with really good acting skills, can, can pull it off. I can be fooled. I've been fooled by sociopaths. There are some who are very, very good actors and actresses. Um, hell, my mother could do better than this. My mother's not even a full sociopath. She's definitely got the secondary sociopathic um, states that she gets into. Um, but my mother can actually produce actual liquid from, from her eyes, right? <laughs> Rashida, <laughs> that is a value village performance. But she delivered this talk after she already knew that Israel did not bomb a Gaza hospital. She already knew that when she gave this talk. 500 people were not apparently killed. It appears, because we're getting conflicting reports, it's very wise not to immediately believe that you have the answer when stuff is coming out of a war zone. It's tempting, but you got to hold yourself back. It appears right now that a Hamas rocket misfired, that it was actually Hamas, and that it hit, it hit a parking lot next to its own hospital. The hospital itself, despite what you heard on the news, wasn't actually hit. The parking lot was hit. I don't know how many people were actually killed. Um, but Rashida Tlaib knew this when she gave that talk and when she fake cried. This is America. This is your political system. This is my political system. Now, in Europe, Europe is the birthplace of transing children, what we used to call sex change surgeries. And we ought to, even though that's not accurate, it, it communicates immediately and bluntly to people exactly what it is that we're talking about. Those of you who are old enough to remember, when you hear the term sex change, you think of people like famed transsexual Christine Jorgensen, for example, the first successful sex change. We know what it means. We know that it means bloody surgery, bloody. That's what we should be calling it. This is not gender affirming care for children. It's sex change surgery on children. And if it isn't surgery, it's chemical sex changes. Here are the inverted commas. So Europe is the birthplace of sex changing children. But even Europe is finally pushing back on its own deranged nonsense. They're disavowing the so-called Dutch protocol that says that gender-confused children should have their puberty blocked with chemicals and then have their genitals sliced up or their breasts sliced off. Not so the U.S. Full steam ahead on mutilating children here in the great United States and gas pedal to the floor 
on compelled speech that forces us to lie to appease the mentally ill among us, whom we are forced to work with and pretend are sane instead of having them in asylums where they should be. <laughs> this is from the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, and this information comes from the post-millennial. Joe Biden's Department of Health and Human Services has instituted a policy in which employees are required to acknowledge their co-workers' gender identities and use the preferred pronouns. And the kind of people who want that are people like Admiral Rachel Levine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I told Kevin to put this graphic together. I said, please make me one of these. I can't, I can't do the rest of the show because it's so funny. For those of you listening, uh, Rachel, who, whose name is Richard, Richard Levine, who claims to be a woman, um, we did a side-by-side. -side. There's a there's a, a cartoon of, of Peter Griffin from Family Guy in HR drag, Lady Drag, because that's exactly what Richard Levine looks like. He looks like exactly what he is, a down-market Mrs. Doubtfire. Robin Williams was actually convincing. <laughs> so... Joe Biden's HHS Health and Human Services has a policy that you gotta you gotta tell people you gotta call them by their pronouns. <clears throat> Continuing from the post millennial, the assistant secretary for HHS is transgender pediatrician. Hmm. Rachel Levine, who has used the platform of the federal government to advocate for sex changes for children. Thank you, post-millennial. Thank you for saying sex changes. Levine said child sex changes, including puberty-blocking drugs, cross-sex hormones, and surgeries are, quote, medically necessary, safe, and effective. <laughs> quote, when in, this is from, this is from the Department of Health and Human Services, this quote, when individuals bring their whole selves to work, all of us at HHS thrive. We want to ensure that HHS continues to be a welcoming, supportive environment where all employees feel safe and seen, including transgender and non-binary employees. And the post-millennial comments on this saying, this policy outlines the protection, oh no, this is not them commenting, this policy outlines the protections in place when employees undergo workplace changes, such as legal name changes, and provides workplace procedures safeguarding the gender of and all employees' gender expressions. This policy also provides department-level coordination for EEO procedures across HHS. It calls for streamlined ability to up... Uh, I never know quite... I never know, like, as a show host, I never know quite how to present this stuff to you because a lot of what I need to read verbatim that, that's actually a quotation is so grammatically poor or is written in such a jargon and HR terminology-laden way that I worry that you're going to think I'm messing up what I'm reading or you're not going to believe that I'm quoting to you. So I'm going to do this again. This is as written. 
This policy also provides department-level coordination for EEO procedures across HHS. It calls for streamlined ability to update names in HHS IT systems, outlines how transgender employees change their names in their official records. The guidance also makes clear that all employees should be addressed by the names and pronouns they use to describe themselves, clarifying that employees can wear clothing and use restrooms in accordance with their gender identity. Say the pronouns. Say that you believe he's a woman. Be happy that he's in your female bathroom. Don't complain about the hysterical woman in the men's room trying to pee next to you at the urinal, buddy. That's a dude government said all right we're going to take you out on a little bit of a white pill this is canadian conservative opposition party leader pierre polyev he wants to become prime minister please this is the first time i have personally noticed a politician effectively shut down a feckless stupid and venal journalist this is an example of the Socratic method in real time. Watch this and be like Pierre. Um, on, the, on the topic, I mean, in terms of your sort of strategy currently, you're obviously taking the populist uh, pathway. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> well, ap appealing appealing to people's uh, more emotional levels, I would guess. Um, I mean, what certainly, do you mean by certainly, that? you Give certainly me you tap certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Uh, left wing, you know, this and that, right wing. They, you know, I mean, it's that that type I of ideological never talk about, I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I of people. I don't really believe in that. Okay. A lot of people would would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump uh, Probably book. Like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but well, you're um, the one who asked the question, so yeah. I, you must know somebody. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm sure there's some out there, but anyways, the, the point say. of this the point of this question is, I mean, why should why should Canadians trust you with their vote, given you know, not not just the sort of ideological inclination in terms of taking the page of 